And we're going to recap what we talked about last week because some of you weren't here. So what we said basically is that you should scrap your New Year's resolutions because you're probably going to scrap them anyway uh, somewhere towards the middle of February. That's what the statistics say. We're saying to you today, rather than choosing a resolution, what you need to do is you need to hear the voice of God and choose a word. And this is what we said last week. God still is in the business of speaking to his people, and he still wants to, to guide us and to lead us. And what we need to do is we need to take time to listen to his voice and then allow the Holy Spirit to help us in that area. So rather than a resolution or several resolutions, we're looking for one word that will best help us get focused on what it is that God wants us to focus on. Now, I told you last week my word was health, H-E-A-L-T-H, health, and I have never been so sick as I have been these last two weeks. I've been coughing up fur balls and I know not what. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm getting the right rest that I need. I've uh, forced myself to stay in bed, which is a very difficult thing for me to do. And um, uh, I'm getting better. So I thought you might be happy to hear that. But I've been getting a lot of feedback from people about the words that they've adopted as their own. And I've had people both uh, last week and this week and through the course of the week share with me some of the words that they have adopted. I had somebody tell me uh, just before I came up to speak that their word was invest. And I'm thinking, well, I think you can all figure what that means. It's not just investing money, but investing in lives, investing in the church, investing uh, in your marriage, etc., etc. A great word. Uh, somebody else said that their word was obey. I got a text this past week saying, uh, uh, my word's obey. And uh, I thought that was excellent, really cool. Somebody else said that their word was um, calm. And I said, why did you choose the word calm? And he said, because I'm constantly anxious and, and uptight and, and fly off the handle and get frazzled. So my word is calm. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, another word was uh, to be charitable. I said, what do you mean by charitable? And this person said, well, it's not what you think. It's not giving more money. And... Uh, <laughs> But what it is, is rather being kind to people, being kind to the people in my life that really annoy me, and uh, just, being, just being totally charitable, and I thought, that's fantastic. Uh, this person said that often they respond to the, the annoying people in their life by getting angry or by saying something inappropriate or whatever, but said that she really felt that God was speaking to her, that she needed to adopt this word to be charitable. Others have said obey. A few people say that they need to listen. I had one person say they need to be quiet. Uh, another person, uh, I, a lot of people said discipline. Uh, somebody else said habits was their word. Um, another one said consistency. Another one said balance. So this is fantastic. So what I'm hearing is that God is speaking to his people and that right now you are getting focused in your life on the one thing that God wants you to really focus on and work on and change in your life. And I think that's fantastic. So I'm going to say this to you. It's still not too late to choose a word if you haven't chosen one yet. I said last week that for many people, God would speak to them while I was speaking. And for some people, it was, it was that quick and that easy. Others, it's a, it's a process. You've been praying. And you're just saying, God, show me what it is that you want me to focus on in the year 2014. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about today. How can we 
How can we not just adopt a word, but how can we persevere in it? How can we stick with it? How can we make sure that we'll follow through? What do we need to do to be focused and uh, make sure that we don't give up so easy? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because the writer of Hebrews tells us what we need to do. Look what it says here in Hebrews 10, 36. And if you would read that with me, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, that word persevere, if you look at it in the original language, in the Greek, it is actually a word endure. To st- so it basically is the same thing. It's the idea that you need to stick with it. You, you shouldn't give up. Now, how many of us here today have given up or have been tempted to give up or have already given up on, on I, I, who knows what, but you know what it is in your life? And so what I'm here to do today is to help you get on track, get refocused, and to be and to do what God wants you to be and do. This word can also be translated patience. You need to be patient. Now, here's what I know. Many of us are impatient by nature. Um, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that's more impatient than I am. Uh, Gloria tells me I'm patient about the things that really count, but otherwise, I, I, yes, I am impatient. And it's true. So here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that uh, every time I have prayed and asked God to help me in that area, boy, God really tests me. And I'm really in a position now where my patience is being tested, where my perseverance, my endurance is being tested. And here's what you're going to discover. If you are really serious about adopting this word, if you're really serious about allowing God to change you and to do a work in your life, then be ready for the testing. Be ready for it because it's going to come. And don't be afraid of it. Recognize this, folks, that in the course of that testing in your life, in the course of that of that patience that's required, that endurance that's required, that perseverance that's needed, that's when you experience the change. It's that simple. Now, it says here, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Can I remind everybody here today that the most important thing for every one of us and any one of us, no matter what your word may be, The bottom line of it all is doing the will of God. Here's what I know after serving God for over 40 years, is that whenever I do the will of God, that's when life is best. That's when things go best for me. That's when things work out the best in my life. And and I'm not the only one that would say that. Anybody here who has learned what it means to be disciplined in in that area of submitting to God, you you will know that that's when things go best for you. Now, Perseverance, what does it mean? What's the, what would be the definition of that? Here's what, it, here's what the dictionary says. Perseverance is the quality that allows someone to continue trying to do something, even though it's difficult. I'll read that again. Perseverance is the quality that allows someone to continue trying to do something, even though it is difficult. If it wasn't difficult, folks, we wouldn't need to persevere. Let me read further. Perseverance is continued effort to do or to achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Now, in our case, staying focused on doing what God wants us to do is what we need to persevere in. 
So for me, my health, I need to persevere in maintaining good health. I've, I've been to the doctor, and he's, he's told me, given me some instructions and things that I need to do to make sure I've got good health. One of them is to watch a brief video clip, and Gloria will be happy to know that I've watched it. It's called 23 and a half hours. You can watch that after if you want, if, you're, if your word is health. Today I want to tell you, though, what the Bible says about sticking with it, about not giving up. And the first thing that you and I need to understand, you ready? is that you need to persevere. That's what the verse says here. You need to persevere. Why would the writer of Hebrews say that? Unless, in fact, this was something all of us face. And the fact of the matter is, is that every single person here today experiences troubles and problems. There's nobody here today that's exempt from that. Every single person in this room faces some kind of problem, some kind of difficulty, some kind of temptation, some kind of struggle even now. It may have to do with your marriage. It may have to do with your your children. It may have to do with your finances. It may have to do with your education. It may have to do with your work. I don't know, but you know. It may have to do with your health. But even as I'm speaking, you're saying, yeah, that's right, that's right. I do, I am, I am struggling. So what we need this morning is a reality check. You need to understand today that in the midst of your problems and your struggles and your troubles, you are not alone. You uh, are facing what absolutely every other human being is facing. Now, here's the thing that you're gonna get across church that you might not get at other churches. You're gonna get the real deal. You're going to get the, get the truth. I'm not going to gloss over anything, and I'm not going to preach to you a false gospel or, or a false, any, any, anything that is not true. And the truth of the matter is, is that even those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we indeed will have troubles as well. The, the question is this, is what will we do with it? How will we face it? Well, let's begin by recognizing, by facing up to uh, some of the obstacles in our life. You'll be amazed, and, and, and maybe not, at who and what will stand in the way, who and what will actually cause you to not advance, but actually to go backward in terms of your growth and development. Now remember this, God wants all of us to grow. Everybody understands that. God wants all of us to become like Jesus. So who and what is our first obstacle? Well, you and I all know that we have an enemy, a common enemy, and we call him the devil, we call him Satan, but look, at, look what Paul says to the believers in Ephesus. He says this, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule the world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Did you know that? When you wake up in the morning, the forces of darkness want to destroy you. Did you know that? They want to destroy your marriage. They want to destroy your family. They want to destroy your finances, your job, whatever the case may be. But you do have an enemy. Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to say this to scare you because you don't need to be afraid. And here's why you don't need to be afraid. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So you don't need to be afraid if, in fact, your eyes are on Jesus, if your desire is to please God, if your desire is to do what God wants you to do. You have nothing to be afraid of at all. But having said that, 
If your desire, if your longing, if your commitment is not to do the will of God, and if it's, if it's to please yourself, folks, that is when you open the door up for all kinds of problems in your life. And even as I say that, the Spirit of God is speaking to you and saying, aha, that's right, that's what's happened to me. I've got myself into trouble because I haven't been looking to do the will of God. Now, many of us face temptations, many of us face struggles. Can I tell you that facing troubles, facing trials, facing temptation is not in and of itself a sin. The problem is when we give into it, when we stop persevering, and we stop doing the will of God, that's, my friends, is when we get ourselves into trouble. And some of you are in trouble today because you've given into some temptation. You've given into something, you're doing something that you know is against the will of God. Now the good news for you today is this, is that there is somebody who is greater than the powers of darkness who is available to you to help you through whatever it is that you're going through. I can tell you today, before you leave this room, if you're serious about getting your life back on track, God will, is here and he will help you with whatever it is that you're facing. You can be set free today. All you have to do is say, God, I recognize that I have not been following you, but I've been following my temptations. Now, everybody knows that one. So that one's not a shock, that one's not a surprise. But here's one that might be a shock to you. Did you know that sometimes your loved ones can actually be a force not for good, but for bad in your life? Did you know that? Sometimes your loved ones, your friends, your family can actually, in their, in their desire to be well-meaning and their desire to try to make you happy, will actually have a negative effect on you. Did you know that? It reminds me of... Uh, when I was first uh, in the ministry, I wasn't married yet. I was living in an apartment block in Charleswood. And uh, in that apartment block, the, the caretaker actually went to the church that I was a youth pastor at. And she was one of the most phenomenal cooks ever. Now, when I, when I came to the church, I was, this is going to be hard for you to believe, but I was like 175 pounds. I was just a rake, skinny as can be. Um, uh, I was hot. <laughs> Um, and then I started getting a little belly on me. Now, and people would ask, "How is this? How is this possible? You don't cook, Alan?" I'd say, "Yes, I can make um, I can make pork and beans out of the tin, and I can make uh, mac and cheese. Oh, that'd be about it." But I didn't I didn't bother cooking. I mean, you can only eat so much mac and cheese, and you just quit eating altogether. But but Julie, she's a Ukrainian cook that knew how to cook better than anybody I've ever known. And in fact, she, she used to brag that she could make soup out of a dish rag. <laughs> she, in other words, she could make soup out of anything, and she could. So one day, you know, I just, I was like, oh, discouraged. I'd been gaining weight. I'd had a, a, a right little uh, uh, spare tire around the middle. And I came to her and said, you know what, Julie, I've got to talk to you. I, I, I just can't, I, I can't be eating like this anymore. I, I mean, every time I come by, I mean, she would come to my door and knock on the door and say, you got to try this. And, uh, so, and I would. <laughs> and um, I said, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. I can't be eating like this. It's not good for me. She said, oh, yeah. But look, sit down and uh, tell me all about it. And uh, here's a piece of cake. <laughs> and let's discuss this over cake. 
Now look at well-meaning, the most well-meaning person, one of the most well-meaning people I've ever known in my life, but she wasn't helping the cause. Now here's the thing, folks. There's people in your life right now who aren't helping the cause. You know what I'm talking about. People that, that say they love you, and they do love you. If, you know, the facts are known, they do love you. But the problem is, is that rather than truly loving you, truly helping you, they're enabling you to do what you shouldn't be doing. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Now, I've been in the ministry for 30 years, and I can very easily, very quickly give you lists of people that I have watched over the years who function in, in an unhealthy manner. What do I mean by that? I, I, I've watched a spouse enabling her husband or her husband enabling his wife to continue on doing what he shouldn't do or she shouldn't do. I've watched parents enable their children. Kids crying, kids screaming, what does mom do? You know, here, have some pudding. That'll shut them up. I've watched, I've watched parents enable their teenagers to do what they shouldn't be doing. Do you know that sometimes the, your loved ones, the people, your friends, the people who care about you can actually have a detrimental effect on you? You're my own grandmother. <laughs> she... Uh, I told her I was going to go into the ministry, and I felt God wanted me to be a pastor. She was not a Christian. I didn't understand it. And then she said to me, after I poured out my heart and told her my great dreams of going out and, and being a force for good in this world, she said, you know, Alan, I think you're just taking all this a little too seriously. You don't want to be a pastor. Be a shoe salesman. She thought she was doing what was best for me. Now, here's the thing, folks. What is best for me? This verse gives us a clue. What's best for me is what God's will is for my life. Your job and my job is to discover what God's will is for me, what God's will is for you. And here's what I know for sure. Every time you show up to do the will of God, that's when you are going to be the happiest. Remember, God's will for your life is not that you just be happy, but that you be like Jesus. Do your friends speak the truth to you? Some people think that to be a true friend means you're just going to agree with, you're just going to agree with my friend no matter what, whether he's right or wrong, because that's what a true friend does. Well, can I tell you that's not what a true friend does? Here's what a true friend does. Again, Paul's speaking to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is what true friends do. They speak the truth to each other. Now, I've spoken the truth to some friends, and I've lost friends because of that. They didn't want to hear the truth. What they wanted me to do is they wanted me to agree with the decisions that they had made. Even though those decisions were clearly wrong, they were clearly against what the Scripture said. They were clearly in opposition to the will of God. I've had people leave this church because I've spoken the truth to them. I've told them what they need to hear, not what they wanted to hear. Now, can I just remind everybody, my job is to help people 
become more like Jesus. That's my job. And so as I spoke the truth to this person in love, they said, you know, you don't love me, you don't care about me, you're judgmental, you're critical. And I said, no, I'm not judgmental and critical. I love you and I care about you. And I'm willing to walk with you through the struggle that you're going through right now. They weren't having any part of that. They left. What about you? Are you open to someone telling you the truth about yourself? Could your friends really tell you the truth, tell you what you really need to hear? Not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. You see, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. That's, that's what this verse is all about. Instead, we speak the truth in love. We're doing a brand new campaign for small groups starting in just a couple of weeks. We want to invite you to come into a small group where you will have the opportunity to have authentic relationship where you can speak the truth to each other. Not ganging up on each other, not hurting one another, but telling each other what you need to hear. Are you open to that? Well, see, this is what it means to persevere. It means that you are going to stick with it no matter how difficult it may be. It means that, ready for this? It means that you're more concerned about pleasing God than you are concerned about pleasing yourself. See, this is what's wrong with so much of Christianity in North America today. It's very easy to get people on board with your program if you're promising them that they can have whatever they want. We don't do that at Cross Church. What we tell you is what you need is to do God's will, not your own. What's going to make you happiest is not doing what you want to do, but doing what God wants you to do. And when you do the things that God wants you to do, we call this persevering. We call this continuing and trying to do something even though it is difficult. So anybody that suggests to you that Christianity is, is easy, it's not easy. It's, it can be very difficult at times. But here's the thing. It's got a fantastic payoff. Because here's what the rest of the verse says. He says, One, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, look at this, then you will receive what God has promised. Then you'd receive the promises of God. Now, I know this. A lot of people have, you know, they, they have at least an elementary understanding of who God is. They, they know that, that somewhere it's written that God wants me to be happy. You know that. And you know somewhere it was written that God wants to bless me and that God wants to maybe even prosper me. And you know that somewhere it's written that God wants the best for my life. The problem is, is that we really, we really don't know God well enough. We, we, we love the idea that he wants to bless us. We love the idea that God wants to provide for us. We love the idea that God wants to meet our needs. We love the idea that God will even give eternal life. Two thumbs up to God. Wow, I want to know him. But the problem is, is that we don't really know how to get the help of God. And so we know instinctively that God loves us, that God cares about us, that God wants the best for us. But why is it that when we praise, God's not answering my prayers the way I expect them to. God, I just remind everybody today, and this may come as a shock to you, but God is not a magic genie. God chooses to define himself and describe himself as a father. Did you know that? He is our father in heaven, and we are his children. 
Now I'm going to tell you this. As a father, I want my kids to be happy. Check. I want my kids to do well in life. Check. I want my kids to have a great marriage. Check. I want my kids to have great kids that I can send home after I visited with them for a while. Check. I want my kids to have a home. I want my kids to be prosperous. I want my kids to be healthy. I want all that for them. And guess what? Our Father in Heaven wants the same thing for us. But here's what you need to understand. If you're going to understand how God works in us and works through us and how God pours out his blessing on our life, here's what you need to know. Is that God doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we... Ah. The lights have just gone on. You thought you could just... Ma- you could just you know, rub that genie lamp and boom, out pops God with three wishes for you. Whatever you want, you can have it. That's not Christianity, folks. That's a tale. That's a fantasy. That's Aladdin. God is a loving father, and here's what God wants. He wants you to grow up to be mature, to be healthy, To be wise. And here's what every good father and mother knows. You don't give your kids whatever they want. What you want is your kids to grow up to develop good character. Folks, that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to grow up with good character. But here's what happens to us. We say, you know what, I'm going to dabble in this God stuff. I'm going to take bits and pieces of stuff that I like. The stuff that I don't like, I'm going to ignore. How many know what I'm talking about? And we're busy trying to serve ourselves, busy trying to make ourselves happy, busy trying to do our will and not do God's will. And guess what happens? We get into trouble. You know what I'm talking about. We give into temptation. We get ourselves into trouble. We make unwise purchases, make unwise financial decisions because we're not doing the will of God. We're doing our will. We get into trouble. Our marriage is on the verge of breaking down because why? Because we've been too busy serving ourselves. Our children are in trouble because we've set a bad example for them. Why have we set a bad example for them? Because we're too busy serving ourselves. So we get ourselves into trouble. And then here's what we do next. I call this the trouble cycle. We get into trouble, and all of a sudden we realize we need a miracle. How many know what I'm talking about? I need a miracle. God's got to show up. God's got to do something. And we get on our face before God, and we pound the carpet, and we plead and cry, and we fast maybe, I don't know, and we don't take any food for a while. We're just to show God we really mean business. And we get on the phone, call our friends. You got to pray for me. I'm in trouble. And then we make vows to God. That's the third step. So you get into trouble, then you pray, and then you make vows to God, if you get me out of this trouble, I promise. I promise I will start going to church every Sunday. I promise I will start giving to the poor. I promise I will get involved in my church. I promise that I will stop swearing. I promise that I will stop being unkind to my family. I promise I'll stop speeding. I promise I'll stop cutting people off in traffic. I promise I'll be nice to the clerk at Superstore. I promise, and we make these vows, we make these promises to God, 
And then, lo and behold, God steps in and he helps us and he bails us out. And things start going well as we learn that we've got to stop serving ourselves and stop doing what we want and start doing what God wants. And things start going well for us. And things are going so well for us that we start missing doing our devotions. We stop, maybe start missing going to church. We stop doing the things we vowed to God we would do. And next thing you know, we're back in trouble. Anybody experience that? Don't put your hand up, because I know you have. I know everybody here has gone through that cycle. Now, here's the neat thing, folks. We're not here to be judged or, be to, or, be, or to be condemned. What we're here this morning is to find the truth that will lead us out of our situation, to, to lead us to higher ground, to lead us to a better place. And I'm saying to you today that what you need... What I need is to start saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. To do this requires great perseverance. You've got to stick with it. You've got to keep doing it. You've got to do the thing the opposite to what you want to do. Remember last week I said to you that we have been given the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and to prompt us, and he will speak to us? This is what's different between Christianity and the motivational speaker who makes his promises that your life can change if you take these 24 easy steps. I'm telling you, you need to take one step. You need to come before God every day and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And here's what I can tell you. I can promise this to you today. That when, you're, when you are set on doing what God wants you to do, when you're set on doing the will of God, Folks, things begin to change in your life. Things begin to improve. Your marriage becomes stronger. Your children love you and respond to you. For many people, they think that their children learn, when they hit their teenage years, they, they don't know how to speak anymore. All they know how to do is grunt. Ugh. You start doing what God wants you to do, your kids will learn how to speak again. Watch, it'll be amazing. You start doing what God wants to do and your health will improve. You'll start losing weight. You'll start being calm when your natural instinct is to get, become hysterical. You will find yourself listening rather than speaking. You'll find yourself being consistent. You'll, all the things, all the words that are represented here today, they will be fulfilled in your life as you learn what it means to submit to the will of God. This is what perseverance is. So when you wake up in the morning, you're going to say, God, help me today. Help me to do your will and not my will. Because, folks, that is your biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. Alan Duncalf always gets into trouble every single time he does what he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? Every single problem I've ever had in my life has been the direct result of doing what I want to do and not what God wants me to do. You say, Pastor, how do I know when I'm doing what God wants me to do? What's simple? He, he taps you on the shoulder. You have a, a moment where you feel, oh, should I do this or shouldn't I? You'll have a, a moment of doubt 
You'll, you'll ask yourself, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't do this. Listen to me. If you're having doubts about what you're doing, if you've got moments, if you've got cause to, to pause and to, and to hesitate, maybe it's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, hey, don't do that. You're about to open your mouth and say something sarcastic to your husband, to your wife, and the Spirit of God checks you. Keep your mouth shut. Oh, there's been times, there have been times when I've bitten holes in my tongue, things I wanted to say so bad. And the Spirit of God reminds me, Alan, you're a Christian. And even more than that, you're a pastor. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Are you willing to listen to the Spirit of God? Because I can guarantee you this. He's speaking. He's speaking to you. And you'll know your stomach will turn. You have a moment to th- you'll think, oh, something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. If something doesn't feel right, then don't do it. Folks, I'm telling you, God is still in the business of leading and directing his people. But what you have to do is you've got to respond to him. We call this persevering. We call this doing what God wants us to do. We call this doing the will of God. I can guarantee you that every single time you do what God wants you to do, that's a turning point in your life and things begin to improve. Now, for those of you who don't understand who God is, some of you think he's like a you know, genie, grant you your three wishes. It doesn't work that way. And I'll tell you why. Because while you may be an enabler, God is not. While your parents may be enablers, God is not. Where your parents may let you off the hook, God won't let you off the hook. Hello. Where you may let your kids off the hook, God won't. He loves you too much to do that to you. God will never let you off the hook. God will insist that you learn what you need to learn before you go to the next level. So what is it that you need to learn today? This is the the process of perseverance. What is it you need to learn? And are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to learn that lesson? I'm willing, God, to do what you want me to do. And you know, even as I'm speaking, you already know. I don't, need to, I don't need to spell it out to you because you already know in your own heart and your own mind God, God's speaking to you even as I'm speaking. Been tempted to hold a grudge and God say, don't do it, let it go. Say, say sorry, say you're forgiven, do what you have to do. You know. The Spirit of God is speaking to you right now and he's looking for you to say, yes, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. That's what he's waiting for you to say. This is called perseverance. This is what it means to do the will of God. Now, here's the cool thing, folks. As you respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart right now, as you respond to that, God will pour out his blessing on your life. He will give you the promises that you're looking for. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your family. He can heal the relationship with your kids. He can heal the relationship between you and your workmates, your boss. 
He can, he can help you with your finances, but folks, it's going to take a willingness to do what God wants you to do and not what you want to do. And not what your friends say you should do or what your family says you should do. God will speak the truth to you even if your friends won't. You may refuse to take responsibility for your life, but God won't let you get off the hook on that. You need to take responsibility for your life. You need to make, take responsibility for the decisions you've made. Now, here's a wonderful promise in, from James. Look what it says here. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Have you been tempted to give up? Been tempted to you know, throw in the towel? I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you can't stand my marriage anymore, can't stand my family anymore, can't stand church anymore, can't stand, I don't want to serve God anymore. You've been tempted that way. But here's what I tell you. Every time you do what you want to do, that's when you face misery. And every time you do what God wants you to do, that's when you experience blessing. Now, does everybody know what blessing means? To be blessed means that you have Happiness. I tell you this, happiness is not something that you pursue. God is someone that you pursue, and happiness is the fruit of it. Some of you today, you've been trying to find happiness, and you've been looking so hard to be happy. How can I be happy? And you think that if I just do what I want to do, then I'll be happy. And the fact of the matter is, it's not true. What will make you happy is not doing what you want to do but doing what God wants you to do. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. That's a promise from the scripture. God wants to bring happiness to your life. He wants to bring his presence to your life. He wants things to change in your life. And some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor Alan, I need change. I gotta change. Something's gotta change. Or I'm not gonna make it. Well, you've come to the right place. And I'm gonna tell you today, that God has got power, more power than you can imagine to enable you and strengthen you and help you do what he wants you to do. The question is this, will you say, Father, not my will, but yours be done? If you say, God, I'm not gonna do what I wanna do, I'm gonna do what you want me to do, you will know that happiness I'm talking about. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you this morning for your word that leads us and guides us. And Father, you're, uh, you're telling us today that we need to do some difficult things, some hard things. We've got to do not what we want to do, but, but what you want us to do. And that's always difficult. And that's why we call it perseverance, endurance, patience, hanging in there and not giving up. God, today, would you give us a fresh a fresh sign of your presence and of your help? Would you fill our hearts this morning, O oh God, with a sense of joy and peace, knowing, God, that as we go from this place prepared to do your will, that you will help us and strengthen us, and yet you will do a miracle for us. God, there's many people here today that need a miracle, and you want to do that miracle for them, but it will only come if we're prepared to persevere in doing the will of God.
God, save us from ourselves. Because every time we do what we want to do, we get ourselves into trouble. Save us from ourselves, we pray. And we thank you today for your Holy Spirit who's with each and every one of us, leading us and guiding us to do what we need to do. Thank you, God, for the blessing that's ours as we do your will. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Tell the person beside you, do the will of God.